strikes midnight, midnight. my contract comes to, an end. comes to an end. I am leaving, I am leaving. with the WWE with the Championship. championship. Do I have everybody's attention now? I have the balls to say things that nobody else has to say. This company, inside and outside the ring, are filled with shameless ass-kissers. Vince McMahon surrounds himself with yes-men. Maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, 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 dead. WWE champion. You're the man. You're a dynasty. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. There's one thing you're better at than I am. Kissing Vince McMahon's ass. If CM Punk defeats you, CM Punk the next day is gonna walk into some other wrestling organization, see what I walked out with. I'm gonna be embarrassed. I will not be embarrassed. I am leaving with the WWE Championship. CM Punk walks out of Chicago with this championship. John Cena! Strikes midnight. midnight. My contract comes to, an end. comes to an end. Say goodbye to the WWE title. Say goodbye to John Cena. And say goodbye to CM Punk. again and welcome to episode number 84 of the retro wrestling podcast i'm intern alex joined as always by the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history patrick young patrick as we enter the second week of july what do you have for us from the news desk this week sir well i mean we got to apologize to some of our fans out there they decided to go and show their emotions for our last show coming out a little late i mean here in chattanooga people are dumping manure all over the roads a lady climbed the uh, Statue of Liberty in in regards to the fact that we got our last show out late. Well, it was, so, it was for Great American Bash 92. Yeah, the, the so we, we, I want to reach out and apologize worldwide to our fans for our show being out late due to the 4th of July. There's no need to go to those kinds of extremes. I promise you, we'll do better off. It wasn't that late because I got it out Thursday night. I usually get them out Wednesday or Thursday. I, I never commit to a date anymore because it just varies. <laughs> you know, I, I just varies uh sometimes it's i've never been good at doing my homework and editing the podcast is something that just i put off and put off until i absolutely have to. i, do I have faith in you and and 
I'm just trying to make sure that our fans know there's no need to go into those extremes. I mean, they, they need to have faith in you, too. Yeah, don't dump poop all over our highways. Uh, you know, we like to keep things clean around here. Yeah, and, and please, don't climb the Statue of Liberty. I mean, come on. Jeez. Darren Prince. Uh, a lot of people don't know who he is. People are going, who, what, when, where, why, and how. Darren Prince is a, uh, he owns a talent agency, and he represents some of the biggest names in wrestling. He's a big listener to our podcast and uh, a good friend of mine and uh, he represents Dennis Rodman, Magic Johnson, a lot of uh, celebrity actors, a lot of uh, other sports people. He's uh, even done stuff with uh, Hogan and Flair. But he has a book coming out called Aiming High and it's about his personal addiction problems and the fact that he was able able to overcome them and still turn his career into a, a reality his business that he really tried into a reality and it, it is based around some wrestling stuff as well it's it's a very interesting book uh i i recommend definitely picking it up well those stories are always seemingly the more interesting ones and an example i'll give is you gave me the the ted dibiase price of fame dvd now uh, it's fine. It's a fine film. I mentioned on the podcast a few weeks ago, I forget what episode it was, that, you know, usually we hear, well, I mention it often on this podcast, you usually hear all the bad stories. Well, that's because they're just, there's more layers to somebody that fucks up a lot, to, yeah. to put it lightly. And so one of my problems with that Ted DiBiase DVD is, you know, his primary, the primary confession he makes is that he cheated on his wife. And while that is bad... That is on no level, you know, the Scott Hall DVD where he talks about, oh, killing somebody or, yeah. uh, you know, any of these other problems with addiction that all these other wrestlers have. So that DVD and, and Ted DiBiase's story, while it is impactful and it, it did have moments in it that I enjoyed, it really just wasn't that, you know, like, oh, I wow, you know, it didn't just blow me away because it wasn't that crazy of a thing. But when you get into somebody like this gentleman here who's who's now a successful sports agent and he went through... Uh, personal demons and stuff especially with addiction for some reason those stories just connect with me more anyway and i think with the general public more it's a tough thing to overcome Uh, it really is and you see a lot of people not overcome it so i'll definitely uh, give it a read eventually Uh, i it's very hard to get me to pick up a book patrick i'm not gonna lie so i'm not gonna commit to reading this anytime soon but it's on the list it's on the list maybe i'll get the audio book because uh that's I'm pretty sure they actually have one out already. You know, Amazon jumps on that kind of stuff. Yeah, Audible, you can uh, get a free trial and get one free book. And so I used mine on The Death of WCW, which is like a 20-hour audio book. And so uh, it took me a few days to finish it. But, yeah, the audio book's probably going to be the way to go for me. So, uh, But that's very cool. It's cool that you have a friend that has a book out. I I don't know anybody that's written a book, you know, that I would want to read especially. So, Yeah, yeah, I've... I've heard nothing but great things about it, so definitely check it out. This past week, Ricky Steamboat had to have hip surgery. Uh, I would like to go ahead and let everyone know that he is okay. He went to have his hip surgery right after appearing at that Knoxville uh, Comic-Con type thing. Yeah. There was a lot of wrestlers there, and I think he was one of them. And then, yeah, like the very next day, I see pictures of him in the hospital bed. Well, he does now live just about an hour from Chattanooga North, so he's right there between Chattanooga and Knoxville, and so... Coming on down here and having hip surgery, uh, you know, it's always a good thing to go ahead and make sure you get it done uh, if need be. And a lot of wrestlers end up needing it for sure. From what I could tell and from what I've heard, uh, I haven't spoke with him personally, that everything went fine. 
And so he's on full full recovery. But yeah. He can still probably move around a lot better than probably I will be able to do on my normal hips within a matter of years. This man is uh very- Oh man, I still think he could he could lace up and go. I'm, <laughs> it's, I'm serious. His I'm still blown away by the matches he had with Jericho after being out of the ring almost twenty something years, it seems like. It was that WrestleMania and then it rolled over into a couple other matches. It was just outstanding. And then shortly thereafter he had a stroke, but you could never tell that no. this man had a stroke. I no. mean, you know, strokes vary in severity with yeah. with people, but like he doesn't look like he's had much troubles, you know. Yeah. He still looks good for his age. And so having a hip replacement is a pretty intense thing, but you know, I, I'm pretty sure this guy'll follow through with the rehab and He'll, he'll be just... He'll bounce right back, absolutely. wanted to mention uh, a couple other stories from the week. Uh, one that I've read a lot about online was that there was a uh, show, it was a CEO versus New Japan show in Daytona where Kenny Omega was helping book the show, and it was a low-key event. I think it was streamed for free, which is probably why it made news anyway, and they put on a like a dark match or like a preliminary match, and Kenny Omega, the story goes that he... The part of the ring crew was a local group wherever this and it was a local group out of Daytona. And so in return for them helping set up the ring, he said, you guys can have a dark match or whatever. And one of the wrestlers in this dark match was a guy named Chasen Rance, who was a registered sex offender in the state of Florida. Now, that's pretty bad, but I kind of don't understand the outrage because at an indie wrestling show, it's not like I'm running background checks on who's getting in the ring. And Absolutely, yeah. Ken, Kenny claims to not really know this guy that well, and people are saying, oh, well, you're in a picture with him from this year or whatever. Dude, this guy lives in Japan like 99% of the time. And, you know, wrestling guys in general, whether you're a performer or whoever, you're involved in the industry, you're meeting people left and right. You're asked to get audit, or you're asked for a picture or an autograph by people you've never met before in your entire life. So just because... Oh well, he's in a picture with him. That's that makes him guilty. Is that's a load of bull. Even if he did know the guy, it's not like he goes, "Hi, my name is such and such. I'm a registered sex offender. Nice to meet you, Mister yeah. Omega." Yeah. And they're just not running background checks. Does anyone think that this is some sort of like you know working at Walmart where you might get a background check or a you know a urine sample? This is an indie yeah. wrestling show that's right. thrown together. Yeah, it's not it's not New Japan, it's not Ring of Honor, it's definitely not WWE. Right. So I mean, how are they gonna know? And you know what was funny about this too is like so it was on this live stream and the announcers didn't even know who this guy was. It was it was fans that actually had to like that recognized the guy that then alerted everybody. But by then the match was over, the damage was done. It's like, what can you do now? You yeah. know? I mean, I just kind of feel for him that, you know, people online are giving him shit, Kenny Omega that is, not not this Chase and Rance guy, but indie wrestling. It's just, it's what's different than, it's almost, it's not far removed from people wrestling on the trampoline in the backyard. It's just whoever shows up, you know, I don't yeah. know who they are. Are they wrestling? Sure. I don't care. Yeah. Wrestle. So that's the story. And I just, I just think it got way overblown and it's just kind of ridiculous, but yeah, I think it's absolutely absurd. Um, I'm shocked that it has blown into the, the thing that it has blown into. Kenny Omega, I'm sure it will be fine. So Yeah, I think the IWGP champion is going to be just fine it's for gonna, the time being. It's going to be all good. There's a big rumor circulating. He was already, since he's in the video game, of course, everyone thinks Rey Mysterio is coming back. And this week I saw a lot of wrestling sites saying, oh, he signed the contract already. 
Yeah, but he's booked it all in on September. So he's going to work that show. He's not going to back out now. And he's still booked to work up here right. in uh, Aerolucha. Aerolucha up here in Nashville, just two hours north of us. Well, he's still like part owner in that. He's, yeah. he's got like some kind of stake in it. and um, Which had their show the other night and was outstanding, by the way. Even if he has signed a contract, it'll be months before we see him. And then when you do see him, it's not like... He's going to be a weekly performer. He's just going to show up from time to time and wrestle a big match. It's not, and it's not the Rey Mysterio of 1996. So I don't even really know why this story even made the news wires other than it's just noteworthy, you know, okay, he might've signed a contract. I just, I, I loved Rey Mysterio as a kid, but that was a long time ago and he's not the same performer he was then. And I just don't, I don't really care that much. If he shows up, that's cool. That's fine with me. Quite frankly, the roster is so bloated right now. I don't think you should bring him in because you've got guys that aren't making TV. Like they had Bobby Roode working main event last week because they couldn't find time for him. They have all these other talented guys that, well, I, we don't know what to do with them. So just sit on the sideline. Yeah. And meanwhile, you're out signing, bringing back Rey Mysterio. Why don't you work on what you've got and then we can bring in the, right. the part timers, you know? So yeah, because Ray's going to work probably the Brock Lesnar. Yeah, if that. Yeah, contract deal. So, speaking of which, there was a sign that at Raw this past Monday that it's gotten all over social media, and I love it to death. This fan holding up a sign said, "I show up to I show up to Raw more than I think it was on SmackDown. Was it, was it SmackDown? Like, okay. I've been at more WWE events than Brock Lesnar has. I don't know this man, but that is kudos to him because that is brilliant. I loved it." And calling calling WWE out on their shit right there at ringside so they can see it. Hard camera side is the best way for fans to speak their mind. Well, and I loved it. That sign seems almost more directed at Brock Lesnar or something. I'm not going to sit here and, and throw stones at Brock Lesnar because it's what the company signed him to. You know, yeah. it's not on him. Right. If a company gives me a lot of money and says, you need to show up for five days of work. Well, guess how many days of work I'm going to show up for, Patrick, and not a fucking hour more. Yeah. And so that's on them. Yeah. You know, this whole thing with Brock, and it it ties in good to the pay-per-view we reviewed this week, is Money in the Bank 2011, where it was sort of the same kind of storyline, because right now the main storyline on Raw, the the narrative they're trying to to portray to us is that Roman Reigns is our working hero. He shows up to work. Right. And Brock Lesnar doesn't. He's going to leave, maybe with the title. A lot like CM Punk in 2011. But... This narrative where it's like, oh, it's on Brock. Well, it's not like Brock makes his schedule. It's given to him. You know, he and he has a contract that allows him to do that's on you. Yeah, that's not on the performer. Having him as the champion, I think, is what pisses more people off about it than if he wasn't. I just I disagree because with now the co-brand and pay-per-views where there's no more you won't have raw pay-per-views where there's not a championship belt. You have AJ Styles as a title belt. Yeah. You don't even need, if you can create compelling storylines, you don't need a title belt. It's not like when, if he did show up, it's not like magically his storylines would be great. It's not like magically his matches would be great. The people that buy into like, oh, if he just shows up, you know, life is just so much better. It doesn't make much. It's like Rey Mysterio showing up. It doesn't make that much of a difference. Well, and I want to call also, I am going to personally attack him here. I want to call him out on his shit. I'm tired of his fucking matches being suplexes, belly-to-back suplexes, and an F5 and go to the house. 
I know the man can work more than that. Let's fucking see it. Well, Patrick, I'm only going to work as hard as I'm forced to work. And I'm only going to show up to work as much as I have to show up. There's What's motivating him to, to put on a great... Nothing. So yeah. it doesn't matter if he goes out there and shits the bed or if he goes out there and has an instant classic. The results for him are the same. Right. He's made his money. He's in his first year in the company, Patrick. We've already reviewed it. He did everything you could do in the company. He has nowhere to go. It's no. not like he's trying to build some sort of legacy. He broke the streak. He has Pretty much everything accomplished, everything a wrestler can accomplish. So it's not like he's yearning to go put on a show. Right. He's just going to get a paycheck. I don't mind him having those matches because, like, again, like, what do I expect? You know, the other guy he's facing needs to work, you know, twice as hard if he's just going to do two moves. I mean, I liked the Brock Lesnar and Goldberg match, even though they did four moves between them because it was intense. It had something different. If you're not going to have that kind of match and you need to go 20 minutes or whatever... Well, he better have a good opponent in there that's actually, that's hungry still. Yeah. You know, needs something. But it was a pretty light news week, honestly, in the in the world of pro wrestling. It's, the WWE especially seems like it's in a lull until SummerSlam, so. Yeah, I think they're just kind of riding, riding it out, unfortunately. Yeah, this Extreme Rules card thus far, I have no interest in this one. That's, I mean, I pay for the network, so it's not like I have to go out of my way to see it, but. No interest. They didn't. They don't have a compelling storyline, Patrick, like they did in 2011 for yeah. Money in the Bank. Now, I usually do not like this worked shoot bullshit. When CM Punk did the infamous pipe bomb promo, which, by the way, when he did that promo, he didn't say the word pipe bomb. He said it later when he said, I, I delivered a pipe bomb later on. So he didn't actually say it in the promo. But uh, so it was this worked shoot where he didn't have a scripted promo, Patrick. It was crazy. He actually went out there and got... You know, probably bullet points where they said, we want you to hit this, this, and this. And he delivered an amazing promo. Outstanding. Yeah. It made him a superstar. Despite what, you know. It shot him higher than he already was. And he was pretty high up there. Well, I think he had indie cred and he had, you know, hardcore wrestling fans really liked him. But this, that promo changed everything because he had already had some success with Jeff Hardy and uh, the Straight Edge Society stuff. And uh, even his success in ECW WWECW, Um, and in addition to all his great Ring of Honor work and everything else, he had already achieved some success. But yeah, this was what made him a mainstream star. Even if it was a work shoot, it was a great promo. It was a great moment in time. Right Now, I remember at the time I wasn't watching wrestling that much. It was the pre-network era when I had to actually, you know, pay for pay-per-views or go see them with you or, or whatever. So I wasn't watching it that closely, but I remember just people just guffawing over this promo he did it by the way in a stone cold steve austin shirt and that's what i saw all the time was oh this is the second coming is the attitude era is back again yeah didn't quite turn out that way but this pay-per-view if you only watch this pay-per-view and nothing else afterwards and see how badly they fumbled the storyline this is a really great pay-per-view patrick yeah no uh kudos to jason tick who who made this uh made this request I had completely forgotten about how interesting this this pay-per-view was. And when he brought it to our attention and was like, hey, I'd really like for y'all to cover that, he was spot on, man. And I really want to give him his props for that. No lie. Kudos to Jason Tick, man. This one's all for you, brother. So we go back to July 17th, 2011 at the Allstate Arena in Chicago, Illinois. Also, Oh my goodness, they're going to book a hometown guy in the main event. What are, <laughs> why would you do that? That's nuts. Well, uh, you know, the hometown 
person always loses. Well, in today's booking, yes, that's true. A sold-out crowd of 14,815 rabid CM Punk fans all converged on this night. Rabid. I mean, these fans were chanting CM Punk when the show went on air. They were already ready for the main event. So CM Punk's real-life contract was coming due, but it came due earlier in the week. So you actually, if it's you like, went... It was Wednesday, right? It was like the yeah, Wednesday it, before or something? Yeah, like it was very close to the the day of the actual event. And so, and of course, if you're booking this guy in the main event, uh, yeah, uh, he's, he'll be re-signed. It's not like, they mention it in the pay-per-view. It's not Survivor Series 97 when you know a guy's leaving you know, he wants to win. You're not going to be allowing that to happen. So it's right. It, it was kind of like, of course, I know how this is going to go. Like it would, this wouldn't be happening. He wouldn't be in the main event. He wouldn't have been allowed to cut the promo and get all this, this great storyline to just up and leave. So right. because of how well they did this, I can excuse it. You know, I can take my jaded wrestling fan glasses off for a minute and say, okay, I'll buy in, you know, I'll suspend disbelief, which as a pro wrestling fan, you have to do quite often anyway. So the promo opens the show with when the clock strikes midnight, Patrick, CM Punk says he'll be leaving with the WWE championship. And where would he take it? I take it to the nearest pawn shop. I'd put it, I'd put it on eBay. Uh, they show highlights from the pipe bomb promo where he mentions maybe the company would be better if Vince was dead. That was insane when he made that comment. Now, if Cena loses, Vince put this stipulation on. Cena, if you lose, you're fired. That's a very good. You did that very well. Now, would that pay off? No, that does not pay off later in the night, but we'll we'll see. TikTok, TikTok, time is running out. We hit that stupid money in the bank song. I hate this song. Now, this song reappears every year now because this is a yearly event. So, right. And this was like the McMahon Millions song, I think, originally. So this is another reused song, like The End Is Near or whatever, that right. you hear all the time. And I just don't like this song. It just doesn't... You know, I don't like the butt rock songs either, so I don't know what music I'm looking for, but the Money in the Bank song is not it. It's too close to Shane's theme for me. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of money songs in uh, the WWE's history. (laughs) Cole, Lawler, and Booker T have the call. And this is after WrestleMania 27 and the Cole-Lawler match. So he is not as heel as he was before that. See, he he got his comeuppance. But he still is working heel commentator tonight. Only to certain people, Patrick. And it pisses me off so bad. Oh, I hated it. I hated it. it. I really do. I... I never liked heel Michael Cole. Like, JBL, I actually, you know, heel JBL makes sense to me. I didn't like JBL as an announcer, but that's fine. I buy it. Heel King makes sense to me. I mean, King hadn't worked heel in a long time by 2011. Even when he did, it wasn't so forced. It's just so everything, that's probably the top complaint with everything Michael Cole does, is everything sounds so forced. Nothing sounds natural. And so, of course, when you say, oh, well, now you have to be a bad guy... It sounds really unnatural. So, right. And you would hear that later on, especially in this first match. The SmackDown Money in the Bank match. Oh, we're still in the brand split for a couple more months, Patrick. So we need two Money in the Bank ladder matches because we have two titles, which would stick around after the brand split ended for a while, two titles. So that which was kind of cool. You know, more titles, the merrier. Exactly. Titles for everybody. Exactly. I You're like always it. for more titles. You can never go wrong. Sin Cara is out first. 
He does his trampoline entrance and nails it. He doesn't botch it. Congratulations. <laughs> his theme song sucks, by the way. The lyrics of it is just, ooh. I swear that's, it's like someone doing a wind noise. Wade Barrett is out next. His theme song sucks as well. Justin Gabriel is out to another terrible theme song. I, you know, Justin Gabriel is a very underrated talent, in my opinion. By the way, I feel like they WWE messed up by letting him go. It's crazy how many people in this very first match are no longer with the company. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I was like, is it? does anyone still work here? Yeah, yeah. Then finally, Sheamus comes out, so we do have someone that works here. His theme song sucks. I hated this original Shane. I, I hate all these songs. Cody is out next to a terrible theme song. He's still got his Phantom of the Opera mask on, though it's clear. So it's like uh, NBA. There was an NBA player that wore one of these for years. It's like that. One-man band, Heath Slater. Yeah, before it was the three-man band, it's one-man band, Heath Slater. He's got a terrible theme song. Daniel Bryan is out next. I dare say I don't like Daniel Bryan's theme song either. Cole, now this is his first heelish thing of the night. It's going to be fuck about Daniel Bryan. It's it's going to be rag on Daniel Bryan from here on out. Which I actually like because I, I enjoyed it. I liked his comments towards the fact that Daniel Bryan was kind of the smaller guy and overrated and didn't need to be in the position. It, it worked. This one I'll give him his kudos for. I don't. It, I hated this. This was a, a carryover from an NXT feud, you know, like, fuck off already. Like, get yeah. over it, pal. Cole says even nerds are allowed here. Oh, nerds. What a burn. Kane is out next to a, a terrible theme song, not the original Kane theme. Speaking of burn, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> The big men, Seamus, Kane, and Barrett all clear the ring, so they go at each other. Kane clotheslines them over the ropes. Brian attempts to bring a ladder in, but Slater baseball slides, kicks it out of the way. Sin Cara gets hit with a ladder by Gabriel and Slater. Gabriel and Slater bring the ladder in the ring, but Gabriel gets kicked off of it by Brian. Cody comes in, attempts to climb the ladder. Seamus cuts him off. Seamus tries a Celtic cross on Cody Rhodes, but Cody escapes. And knees Slater in the head off the second rope. Ouch. Kane then tries a choke slam on Sheamus and Cody, but instead just pushes them out of the ring because Kane's lazy. Kane dumps a ladder on them for good measure, hits a sidewalk slam to Slater because he's kicked out of the ring by Sinkara. Daniel Bryan hits an insanely fast tope suicida, as Mauro Ranallo would say, as he dives through the middle ropes straight into Wade Barrett's head going full speed. This was uh, probably the reason he had to retire temporarily in his career because of shit like this. <laughs> Gabriel hits a tope con hilo to Kane, who sort of halfway catches him, so it's almost like taking a powerbomb on the ring mats. Slater hits a corkscrew plancha to Cody. Sin Cara hits a springboard crossbody to Sheamus on the outside and caught major air on this. It, he flew. He almost overshot him, and if it wasn't for him stepping back, it would have. I'm afraid he would have gone over him. It was major air, though. You're exactly right. He comes back and hits another one going back into the ring on Daniel Bryan. Then Sin Cara wipes out Gabriel with a Hurricane Rana. It's a Spanish fly to Daniel Bryan on the turnbuckle. Then goes to get a ladder, but gets booted by Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett wedges the ladder between the Spanish table and the ring, but Sin Cara escapes from getting slammed on it. But he walks right into a brogue kick. Sheamuson takes Sin Cara and power bombs him from the apron through the wedge ladder. And this causes Sin Cara to be folded in half and then taken out of the match because he starts selling this injury like Terry Funk used to do where he would start shaking, like everything causes this man to shake. So that's what Sin Cara did from this gruesome powerbomb. 
And usually when they do stretcher spots, I've complained to you about it before. Oh, they're coming back. They're coming back. Sin Cara would not be coming back, folks. <laughs> he was taken out because he got suspended the next day for a wellness violation in his career in WWE. This is the former Mystico, not the current Sin Cara that's in WWE. This is Mystico. Boy, he had a tough time in the uh, WWE. Botched a lot. Got injured a lot. Wellness violation. He did not stick around very long after this. and But they kept the character and gave it to... Well, yeah. I mean, they had already made the mask, you know, yeah. Patrick. And we can just stick this get up on whoever, you know. And so... Throw somebody else in there and we'll go with it. You know, when he was signed, I just remember how much they hyped it. And they thought, you know, oh, we've got the answer. We've got our next Rey Mysterio. We're already set for the future and just... And I believed him. I was actually on board. There were glimpses that. of hope when this yeah. guy performed, but he just really fucked up quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, it just didn't work out for one reason or the next. Ken gets the better of Daniel Bryan and Cody and sets up the ladder and goes for a climb. But Slater and Barrett and Gabriel take him down and we have a core reunion. Remember the core? Nope. Me neither. <laughs> Cody tries for the case and they take him out. The core then take out Kane and Cody and then argue about who gets to go get the briefcase as the crowd chants for CM Punk. They don't give a fuck about this. <laughs> Gabriel and Slater let Barrett climb the ladder, and then they say, you know what? No, we'll go get him instead. So they bring him down, and Cody tips the ladder over on all of them. He hits a crossroads to Slater. Rhodes hits a crossroads to Barrett, but Sheamus stops him and hits the Irish Curse, which is a rock bottom into a backbreaker combination, which I... I'm not sure that he does this anymore. Daniel Bryan stops Sheamus from getting the case. Sheamus puts Bryan in the electric chair, and Kane hits a doomsday device to Daniel Bryan because... This was awesome. We're in Chicago, and this gets LOD chance. The announcers fucking no-sell this. They don't mention, that's a doomsday device because yeah. we're in Chicago, yeah. and they're chanting it. They just don't even mention it. Skim right over it. Yeah, it was bullshit. Sheamus wedges a ladder in another ladder, and... The second rope. Kane takes out Sheamus, choke slams Cody, choke slams Gabriel, then Brian. Uh, Team Hell No is, uh, you know, currently back together in 2018. They were not together here as Brian stops Kane from getting the briefcase. Daniel Bryan chants break out, so we have our second favorite star from this crowd. And Kane goes for a choke slam, but Daniel Bryan catches him in an arm bar. He has to DDT Kane instead, who then rolls out of the ring. Slater comes into the ring, goes for the case. What are you thinking, he's Slater? Uh, Daniel Bryan stops him, but Slater hits a neckbreaker to Bryan, and they both go crashing off the ladder. Barrett takes out Slater by crouching him on the turnbuckle. Sheamus comes in, help attack Slater with the ladder. They use the ladder to pluck Slater off the turnbuckle and throw him outside. Barrett and Cody eat brogue kicks. Gabriel gets taken out with strikes. Then Booker and Lawler criticize Sheamus, who doesn't even try to climb the ladder when he's the only person in the ring. Instead, he plays Legos with ladders and just... Starts playing around and hits snake eyes and a broke kick to Justin Gabriel in the corner of the ring. Then decides, now I will climb the ladder. So he climbs, but Kane goes up and stops him. He gets choke slammed on top of the wedge ladder, which doesn't break. He bounces off and rolls out of the ring. Cody, Brian, and Barrett all team up to beat down Kane. We get a disaster kick to Kane from Cody. Barrett hits the wasteland slam to Kane. Gabriel uses a ladder teetering on top of the ropes and hits a 450 splash on Kane. This was outstanding because he didn't have a lot of room to pull this off. And the fact that he did was unbelievable. No, and he didn't seem like he was going to last on the ladder very long if he had to keep his balance much yeah. longer. 
Barrett pump handle slams Cody, climbs the ladder. Cody stops him, clotheslines him out of the ring. Daniel Bryan then climbs the ladder, but Cody Rhodes stops him. Barrett comes up behind Bryan, so now Bryan is sandwiched at the top of the ladder. Bryan elbows Cody down. Barrett wants a wasteland through the wedge ladder with Bryan, but Bryan, yes, kicks him off the ladder. And to the dismay of Michael Cole, who loses his mind, Daniel Bryan wins the SmackDown Money in the Bank match. Would lead to, oh, what a great title run it would be, where he lost in like 12 seconds to uh, Sheamus at WrestleMania when he eventually did uh, become champion and lose it in pretty shitty fashion. Daniel Bryan would cash in the contract at TLC in December on Big Show. And he lost it at the following WrestleMania to Sheamus in 18 seconds. So there you go. (laughs) What a run. Uh, This was an exceptional ladder match. I was fearful at first because, like I mentioned, a lot of these guys no longer with the company. And I had really honestly forgotten how Justin Gabriel wrestled in this company, how uh, Heath Slater was, how Wade Barrett was early on. I was kind of fearful this would be very bad. But it turned out to be pretty exciting. Oh, it over-delivered, especially seeing Cara. I got to give him credit here. His segment in the match where he was in control and then up to the power bomb was some of the most exciting stuff in the match. Oh yeah, and that 450, I still can't. I mean, that's a highlight upon a highlight. And Sin Cara's uh top rope body cross body was I mean, he caught major. Some of the reasons I didn't like Cole ragging on Daniel Bryan as being small or whatever. If you look around that ring, there was a lot of small guys. I mean, Justin Gabriel, Heath Slater, so it wasn't yeah. like he was like really that much small i think justin gabriel might be smaller than daniel bryan but like you know it's all it's personal uh so that that announcing was kind of distracting but the match was very very good an awesome way to kick off the show breezed right by uh i could have watched it for longer honestly yeah uh a lot better than our next match oh yes earlier tonight we see vince and john laurinaitis road warrior animals brother here the bella's stepfather and John Cena's possible future father-in-law, Daniel Bryan's father-in-law, they arrived to the arena with an attorney. I don't think it was the actual WWE attorney, Jerry McDivitt. It was just a actor. No, they would never lie to us. Right. Brie Bella is out with Nikki for a Divas title match. This is when they were actually still twins. That's true. They looked more similar. Someone hadn't had their enhancement surgery yet, and so they looked <laughs> more similar. The Divas champ is somehow Kelly Kelly. How did she get the belt? I don't know. Why is this match happening? I don't know. I don't care. Who cares? Let's just watch her come out. She's with Eve Torres. A little girl in the crowd holds up a future diva sign. Too bad, little girl. There are no more divas in the future. (laughs) Kelly Kelly hits a famous her and retains the title. That is my one note from this match, as this match was what you would expect from Brie Bella and Kelly Kelly. And then, as they're leaving the ring, Nikki says to Brie... How could you not even beat her? She doesn't eat. Wonderful. Which is funny because I'm pretty sure the Bella Twins might be smaller than Kelly Kelly. And then these two would appear in an anti-bullying ad later on in the show when they're saying, Oh, yeah. Oh, she doesn't eat. I I was looking for Crash Holly to walk out with the scale and and just be like, Okay, we need to weigh everyone in this match. Yeah, you can't. Now, if you're Nia Jax and you say Kelly Kelly doesn't eat, I believe you. You know, that might be a good heel thing to say. When you're a small lady just like her, you can't say that kind of yeah. whatever. Why am I even this? I have more to say about the comment at the end of the match than the actual match. By the way, Kelly Kelly calls the famous or the K2 original, like a B squared. She could have called it K squared. 
Best of Monday Nitro DVD promo plays, which uh, this was pre-network era, and they hadn't put out. You know, now we can launch every episode of Nitro. This The network changed my life because I knew that one day I would have to go seek out somebody that had all the DVDs and all the VHS tapes. I'd have to dig through your garage, Patrick, and try to find all these and transfer them to some digital is, digital form. It is very true. I have probably the the second largest video library next to WWE. And it was all for not because most of the shit's on the network. Exactly. Now, so. I now have it for no fucking reason whatsoever. Well, at least you have the commercials and stuff. That can be fun. Yeah. Um, but when this DVD came out, I was so excited, but then it was like a best of. It's not like, oh, you know, 90 I would buy the 180 DVD set. Or oh, yeah. If they put out like every episode on DVD... I would still buy that to this day. I don't know that I'd go that far. but I would. Especially when it gets to 99, 2000. I don't want those DVDs. Well, as long as they don't edit certain people out. Big Show and Mark Henry is next. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Somebody going to get their ass kicked. Yeah, somebody going to get their ass licked, ass kicked, uh, hair licked, hair picked. Uh, yeah. Wig split. Wig split. Oven mitt. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what... The words are to his song, but I just I make them up every time I hear it. Then the big show comes out. So this is uh, the start of the Hall of Pain run for Mark right. Henry. So you got to take out the biggest guy. You know, they, they tell you that in jail. Take out the biggest guy you can find, and then the rest of it will be easy. So I guess that was Mark Henry's strategy here. Take out the world's biggest athlete. So that's what he does. You say that like you know from experience. Have you ever been in jail, sir? No, I would not do well there. <laughs> Big Show hits a shoulder tackle, sends Mark Henry to the outside of the ring. Big Show goes for a choke slam on the outside of the ring, but Mark Henry fights out of it, gets shoved into the steps, but then Henry drop kicks the steps, which somehow transfers the energy of the steps into Big Show's leg. This was really hard. Suspension of disbelief, I mentioned it earlier. This was a hard one for me to understand. If I, if you're like, I, you're sitting in front of a cabinet right now. If I just kick this cabinet as hard as I can, you're not going to feel that in your leg, Patrick. Yeah, it's going to move and it's going to hurt me. Yeah. So anyway, yes, this magical power that Mark Henry has transfers the energy through these four thousand pound steps, Patrick, and somehow hurts Big Show's it leg. It takes like twelve people to move them steps. It does. I've seen it. Yeah. So, Henry then says, oh, I've got the Big Show's leg. I'm going to work on that from here on out. So, he chop blocks Big Show when they get back in the ring. He continues to work the leg, even puts the world's biggest half crab on the Big Show. But Big Show makes it to the ropes. Uh, he that, has, that was impressive, by the way. I did enjoy it. I, this dude could have been a submission specialist, Mark Henry. Too bad he just sucks at everything, really. <laughs> Big Show makes it to the ropes. Henry tries to splash in the corner on Big Show, but Show lands a big boot, hits a shoulder breaker off the second rope, which I was very surprised to see Paul White attempting at this. Uh, even though this was seven years ago, I this couldn't mass. believe this. Yeah. <laughs> the size that this man was at at this particular point in time to head to the ropes was impressive. He hits a shoulder breaker off the second rope, but this causes him to mess up his legs some more. Calls for a choke slam, but Henry just hits the world's strongest slam, which Show kicks out of it, too, for some reason. I thought that was weird. Henry then roars as he's not satisfied with that, so he hits another one, then hits two Ultimate Warrior splashes to Big Show and wins the match. But that's not good enough for Mark Henry, so he goes and gets a chair and does the Stone Cold and Bret Hart bit from 1997, and he wraps the chair around Big Show's leg, 
And then in a tribute to Leon White, it's a Vader bomb onto Show's leg and the chair. Breaks his leg into a million pieces. And I say the Big Show sells this wonderfully. You say he doesn't. Ill shit. If he broke his leg, he should have been screaming a lot worse. And what kills me is when they put him on the, uh, they roll a stretcher out there, first of all. This man's not going on a stretcher. So they go and get an actual cart and, you know, the old football cart and bring it out there and... For him to be able to walk good enough or stand up good enough to be able to get onto this thing and then only be just sitting there talking about it. Not, if you broke your leg that bad, <laughs> you would be screaming. I don't give yeah, a they damn. They probably don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Don't even get near me. Don't nothing. Don't come. Don't even when I'm, I'm on the cart, I'm still going to be saying, get the hell away from me. Like screaming at the top of my lungs. No, so I think the, he the, could, the potential start sale was good, but he just dropped the ball at the back half. Now I think he could have gone the opposite direction because sometimes when people suffer really gruesome leg injuries, they just go into shock. Like they don't. Oh yeah, if they don't say out, much of anything. If he had passed out, kind of like Austin, then I would have bought it too. Because then how are you going to move this man? Well, that would have been funny. They would have had to get the forklift and actually yeah. tried to roll him over. Yeah, I'd had to poke him with something. Yeah, they actually spent more time on this after the match thing than the match itself. I think the match went like six minutes or something, and this post match went like ten yeah. between like showing you the replay several times and then scraping the big show up and taking him to the back where he just had a chat with people over his broken leg. Then we get the Vincent Kennedy McMahon and Johnny Ace segment where Vince Oh John Cena loses tonight. God help him. Time for the raw money in the bank. Alberto Del Rio Arrives in a Lamborghini. I wonder who's going to win this match, Patrick. Yeah, he shows up in a uh, brand new Lamborghini. I'm not sure that... No Ricardo Rodriguez, no no limo. And I'm not sure that Lawler knows exactly what a Lamborghini is because he says he went to Olive Garden the night before and had uh, Linguini, or Lamborghini Alfredo, I mean. Sorry. He had Lamborghini Alfredo. So I'm not sure he understands the difference, but we'll give it to him. Uh, I forgot a great Lawler line from the SmackDown match. So Daniel Bryan wins the Money in the Bank briefcase. And uh, so Cole is flipping out and Lawler turns to Cole and says, yeah, how does he taste? And then he corrects himself quickly and says, how does that taste? And that was very weird. He luckily Cole didn't laugh at the line, but it's like, yeah, how does Daniel Bryan taste? Yeah. Then we get Jamaican Kofi Kingston. Hey, remember that? Jamaican me crazy, man. Jack Swagger, who does have an awesome theme song, a Rage Against the Machine cover band. Then R-Truth comes out. He's not smoking cigarettes, so I'm not really that interested. Alex Riley comes out. Remember him? He was on Glow Season 1. We were just talking about Glow Season 2. I can give you a spoiler. Alex Riley does not return for Glow Season 2. Dang. And this was a time when they were real high on Alex Riley, and... As legend has it, he did he did something John Cena didn't like, and so he blames John Cena for getting him out of the company, basically, halting his push. So I don't know what happened. But they're basically the same person. Two really buff dudes, short hair. One wears jorts and one doesn't. So one I don't know. One looks like a wrestler, the other one looks like just some muscle builder. Yeah, as CM Punk would point out in uh, some of the promos to follow this pay-per-view, uh, the contract signing for SummerSlam, he says, oh, John, you know, I always wanted to be a wrestler. You were a failed bodybuilder who then just went to uh, 
wrestling school after that. Yeah. The Miz is out next. Hey, remember that guy, too? He was uh, the champion at WrestleMania 27. He was. And here he is, just another face in the crowd. <laughs> Mere months later. And then Rey Mysterio is out last. We've oh, already- Evan Bourne. Can't forget Evan Bourne. Oh, right. I skipped over Evan Bourne, yes. Evan Bourne came out after Jack Swagger. Another guy I thought had a lot of potential in the company and just... they Now, that one I still don't understand because he's gone to, to Impact and done phenomenal things the whole time he's been there. So Everyone starts out with a ladder in their hands, but they're all ladders that are the size of them. So none of these they're, ladders... They're small ladders. In their hand. Why were these out here, Patrick? As well, a referee that was setting up the match... Why did you put these little ladders out there? I don't. Hornswoggle wasn't in the match. Right. And truthfully, what I wanted to see was we set up a, a little ladder, right? Rey Mysterio climbs it, then springs off the top, very top of it and just starts swinging from the from the briefcase. Now, that would have been cool. Yeah, no swinging off the uh, briefcase spots tonight. So all the ladders are in their hands and they all just started jousting with them. <laughs> Ray then dives on Del Rio on the outside. Miz and R-Truth have a shit ladder battle as they joust a little longer than everyone else. And Jack Swagger breaks it up. Swagger is setting up a ladder and Kofi and Bourne battle on a teetering ladder. Ray head scissors Swagger out of the ring. R-Truth gets crotched on the ladder by Alex Riley. The ladder he has is too short to even get to the belt, so he tries climbing it and then is like, eh, I guess not. Riley beats down his former mentor, The Miz, and hits a suicide dive to Swagger and Miz. R-Truth hits a tope con Hilo to the guys on the outside. Then Ray and Kofi dive on them from the turnbuckle. Evan Bourne then hits a shooting star from the 16-foot ladder, which was still in the entryway. Which was absolutely phenomenal. I still think Billy Kidman's shooting star looks better, but uh, Evan Bourne did one onto everybody. Bourne then brings the 16-footer in the ring as he's the first guy to figure out how high the briefcase actually is. Miz and Bourne battle for it, but Del Rio knocks them off. Miz sells his leg, and he needs medical attention, so the leg is the popular item tonight on things to break. So Miz... Our third injury of the night. Miz limps away with the trainers. Wonder if he'll be back. Probably not, right? I don't think... You know, I don't believe third time's a charm. Bourne and Mysterio want the case, but R-Truth and Del Rio want them. So they both get a Hurricane Rana for their trouble. Kofi goes for the case, but Swagger ankle locks him on the ladder. Alex Riley sneaks onto the ladder behind them, but R-Truth shoves the ladder over. Then he wedges the ladder in the corner and battles with Ray. Kofi comes in, uses the ladder as a springboard for a boom drop to R-Truth. R-Truth then catapults the ladder into Swagger's face, who is on the outside. Then Ray hits Kofi with a 619. Ray sets up another big ladder in the center of the ring, and Ray and Riley battle for the case. Then Bourne and Del Rio set up ladders to go up and brawl. Then everybody's on ladders brawling for the case in the middle of the ring. Kofi eventually knocks everyone down. He ends up all by himself at the top. So Swagger runs in and stops him, and they both end up crashing off the ladder. Miz, who just left, hobbles back down to the ring and climbs the ladder. His leg is magically healed, and he wants to get the briefcase. The crowd actually want him to win for whatever reason. The crowd boom Mysterio stopping him with a powerbomb off the ladder. Ray wants the case, but Del Rio goes up to stop him. Del Rio, this dirty fucking heel, rips Ray's mask off. For some reason, this incapacitates Ray Mysterio, who can't focus without his mask on. He 
To hide his secret identity that was revealed in WCW years earlier, he can't wrestle without it, so he just falls off the ladder and covers his face because he is... This is his kryptonite, is his mask. You rip that off, he cannot focus. So Del Rio just climbs up the ladder and grabs a briefcase. There you go. Match over. Del Rio has a briefcase. Uh, I didn't think it was as good as the SmackDown ladder match. It had its moments. The uh, The shooting star from Bourne was really cool. Uh, yeah. They had a few other good moments in there, but I thought the SmackDown match was a little bit better. Never cared much for Del Rio. He was one of these guys. I compare him most to Mr. Kennedy, a guy that I read a lot of stuff online where people were just so high on both of these guys. And people will, to this day, probably still try to convince me that Alberto Del Rio is a good wrestler and that he's got charisma and that he can cut a good promo. Well, I don't, I, I need to see some fucking proof here years later, yeah, seven years later. I I'm still, still waiting. I'm with you on that one. I still haven't seen anything to impress me. I understand they want to build a Hispanic star because Rey Mysterio was it for years, and they haven't done it since. I mentioned this a few podcasts ago. They've got guys on the roster now that could do it. They don't use them. And, like, they called up Andrade Cien Almas. He was the NXT champion a year ago, and now he didn't even make SmackDown this week. Yeah. So they don't know. And then they brought Del Rio back, you know, after he left the first time because we don't know what to do, you know. And I just don't like this guy. I just don't think he's any good. Like, I, I don't find him entertaining. There's nothing about him that stands out. He looks generic to yeah. me. Yeah. We get a promo for the next match. It's Captain Charisma Christian, who Edge had retired after WrestleMania 27. We watched his last match. We go to WrestleMania, and bad things happen, Patrick. We saw The Undertaker lose. We saw Edge retire. That's right. The only two times Undertaker has lost at WrestleMania is when we've been in attendance. Yes. So what are the odds of that? Yeah. And then, of course, yeah, we saw Edge's last match uh, at WrestleMania 27. De facto, Christian basically takes his spot in at the top of the roster on SmackDown. And is now in a feud with Randy Orton. Christian was screwed, he feels like, because some bad officiating, Patrick. His leg was under the ropes. He, hey, he has a legitimate claim, and I am all for it. So this match, Patrick, boy, I always love this stipulation when a champion is stupid enough to accept this stipulation where if he gets DQ'd, he loses the title. He loses the title. <laughs> okay, let's think about that for a second. So all we got to do is get him DQ'd, so... As Christian, I'm just going to say, hey, Patrick, run down to the ring and punch me. I just got Del Rio DQ'd. I'm the champion. As soon as the bell rings, don't even wait. Yeah. You know, just be under the ring. Come in and just the lightest kick. Yeah. You can just touch me, and I automatically win the match. Yeah. And the title. Right. So, Randy Orton, as smart as this guy, you know, oh, he's methodical. He's the Viper. He's an idiot. And he took this match (laughs) with the stipulation also that if the ref... Uh, is bad, the title can change hands as well. Yeah, That's bad, not even in your control. If a bad call is made by the... Well, he had been screwed twice by bad calls from referees. Well, Christian had. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I, I'm i 100% for it. Christian is out, followed by Randy Orton. Christian bails out of the ring, grabs a chair. So, But instead of just, you know, I don't know, using it in a way that it'll look like Randy Orton's going to DQ, he just tries to tempt Randy Orton. Hey, you don't like me? Here you go. Use the chair. It just gets, the ref just takes it out of the ring. Yeah. So that didn't work. Like I said, just have your friend come down and punch you. Orton lights Christian up with strikes and stomps his head. Randy sucks chance. 
as Christian finally wakes up in this match. It's mostly strikes. Christian hits a spine buster for two. Tries the unprettier, but Orton counters and both men go over the ropes. They get in the ring. Orton tries an RKO. Christian shoves him away. Orton wants a draping DDT, but Christian battles him away. Christian counters a superplex by shoving Orton off the rope and hits a diving headbutt in 2011. Years after Chris Benoit and that tragedy, you're doing a diving headbutt. Wonderful. Orton tries an RKO, but Christian counters the unprettier, and Randy is not going to sell that finisher. He kicks out at two. Christian tries a spear in honor of his good friend Edge. He misses, gets gut-wrenched into a neckbreaker for a two-count from Randy. He misses the punt, but hits a draping DDT. Then Randy just starts laying in punches to Christian and almost gets DQ'd. And the ref pushes him away and says, Stop, Randy. You're going to get DQ'd. You're going to lose the belt. So Randy, in all his brilliance, kicks Christian square in the nuts right in front of the ref and loses his title. He looks like a fucking idiot in this match. Orton is somehow mad at Christian despite losing the match himself by kicking him in the nuts, goes and beats him up, slams Christian's head into a monitor, RKO's him on the Spanish announce table, he walks up the ramp, the crowd wants an encore, Randy Orton never misses a chance to deliver another RKO just for the hell of it, so he hits another one, the trainers scoop up Christian, Randy Orton loses the match in the worst of ways, and still gets all the heat coming out of the match, he looks like the winner even though he lost. Uh, Christian looks like the weakest champion I've seen lately, and uh, there you go. This was merely an angle, and I understand that you needed to fill some time, I guess, but like I said, just immediately go to the finish if this is just an angle. The matches that weren't the money in the bank in the main event tonight were just angles. They were just setting up something for later down the road. Well, I guess the Divas match wasn't, but Big Show and Mark Henry was more about the beatdown afterwards. Randy Orton... And Christian was more about the beatdown afterwards, despite a title change. You made the title look pretty pretty bad here, I guess. It's also weird that they book title match into title match. They never book like that anymore. There's yeah. always something to break them up. Right. But tonight, they were just like, nah. I think they knew how shitty this first match was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> they nice. were like, this is the piss break match. <laughs> the promo for the match of the night, CM Punk and John Cena airs. And CM Punk tells us he'll be leaving. And the thing that sets Cena off in the highlight reel here is that CM Punk tells John Cena that he's the New York Yankees. That is what pushed John Cena over the edge. This Boston Red Sox fan would not be told he was the New York Yankees. That was too far. Now you've broke. That's the straw that broke the camel's back here. And I mean, even in the pipe bomb promos, uh, CM Punk says to Cena, I like you. You're all right. So... It's not a blood feud. No. And so it's it's more like Cena is Cena's just trapped in the middle of this feud between CM Punk and Vince McMahon. So they air the promo. CM Punk has put the WWE and Chairman Mr. McMahon on notice. Do I have everybody's attention now? I was suspended by Vincent K. McMahon because of some things that I said. I didn't get in trouble because I announced July 17th is the day my contract comes to an end. And trust me when I tell you, I am leaving leaving with the WWE Championship. I didn't just get in trouble because I said this company inside and outside the ring are filled with a parade of shameless ass kissers. 
I didn't just get in trouble because of this little nugget. And I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, dead, dead. I got in trouble basically because I have the balls to say things that nobody else has the balls to say. But never fear, tonight, not only am I reinstated... CM Punk's reinstated, you've got your match. Vince McMahon desperately wants to sign me to a very long-term, very lucrative contract with World Wrestling Entertainment. It's funny to me that Vince is bending over backwards to give me everything I've ever wanted. My face got everything. I want cups, posters, spoons, knives, forks, my own jet. CM Punk the movie! It's funny is because all I've ever really wanted is this little microphone. See this? This is power. I am the voice of the voiceless. Do I have everybody's attention now? In anybody else's hands, this is a microphone. In my hands, it's a pipe bomb. Vince, I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll smile at me and like it and show me some respect. Vince, you will apologize for suspending me. You will apologize. Apologize. You will apologize, and you will like it. Do I have everybody's attention now? Sorry. Okay. Sorry. What? 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 I apologize, you son of a bitch. Fine speech. When you talk about hypocrites, Punk, you're the biggest hypocrite of them all. You are CM Punk. Me. You beat to your own drum, but in the path of doing things you want to do, you've lost sight of everything. I've lost sight. You are the one that's lost sight. That's lost sight. I am the underdog, and what you are is what you hate. You're the 10-time WWE champion. You're the man. Ladies and gentlemen, the champ is here. The champ you, is here. like the Red Sox, are no longer the underdog. You're a dynasty. You are what you hate. You have become the New York Yankees. Do I have everybody's attention now? Sunday night, say goodbye to the WWE title. Say goodbye to John Cena. And say goodbye to CM Punk. CM Punk walks out with this championship. Yeah! Everybody's attention now. now. Usually that means as soon as they get out of the promo, hit the music. But this time they don't. They were brilliant by this. I agree. And that means everyone in the crowd can get ready. 
and actually stand up. So the entire 15,000 people or whatever all stand up as their hero is about to come out. This was awesome. They don't do this anymore. They don't think about shit like this anymore. And so CM Punk gets a Stone Cold Steve Austin reaction as he, the crowd starts chanting for CM Punk before the music hits. The music hits. He comes out. We see the, if Cena wins, we riot signs. So this is very reminiscent of One Night Stand 2006 here. Then Cena comes out. He does his second best entrance ever after One Night Stand 2006 as he skips all the Mr. Hold Your Towel Up Salute the crowd, say never give up, point to the camera, all that theatric shit. No, he just walks to the ring. Uh, you know, briskly walks to the ring. This is around the time they started those boxing style introductions. So when he actually gets introduced, that's the only time he holds up the title. Yeah. What I did like is while he was coming to the ring, CM Punk bails outside and uh, his friends Ace Steel and Colt Cabana are in the front row. And so CM Punk just stands beside them and claps at John Cena doing all his uh, showboating in the ring. And I really enjoyed that. As I mentioned, this was not a blood feud. So naturally, it just starts with basic chain wrestling. It's not no punches, no kicks, no I'm coming to get you. We know Cena, he's gotten a lot better as a wrestler in seven years, but he's still not like a great technician. And so I was like, this is weird that you're starting off with chain wrestling, but okay. Well, and let's be honest, the person working... Yeah, and CM Punk's not a, a chain wrestler either. So. No, but the person working the chain wrestling is mostly CM Punk, because Cena's not the best when it comes to that. So. When he's just so massive, too. Right. Like, you can't even... It's it's hard to get around him to be able to do it. So Cena works a uh, chin lock. Cena ducks a punk kick. Then the You Can't Wrestle chants start for Cena, which aren't really done as much anymore. I... We've gotten, he can wrestle a little bit. CM Punk, knowing how hot the crowd is, points to himself and says, are you talking to me? Do you mean I can't wrestle? And the crowd doesn't do anything. But then he points to Cena and the crowd goes nuts. This crowd, no lie, was extremely pumped and loud and on their feet through the entire match. And it was outstanding to hear and see. Evil ref Scott Armstrong is the ref, but... That didn't come into play tonight. Cena looks for an attitude adjustment, and Punk goes for the GTS, but both moves gets blocked. CM Punk throws kicks at Cena and then stomps him in the corner. We get the world's sloppiest bulldog from Cena for a two count. (laughs) CM Punk gets clobbered with a clothesline that sends spit flying into the air. Cole thought he lost a tooth. Cena goes back to that chin lock. Punk suplexes out of it. Then he hits a snap suplex to Punk for a two count. Another AA is blocked as Punk DDTs him. CM Punk puts a head scissors on Cena, and Cena powers up deadlift CM Punk on his shoulders and then dumps him and rolls out of the ring. Punk drapes Cena over the apron and drops a knee to the back of his head. CM Punk slaps on a headlock, and then a springboard cross doesn't connect very well and only gets a two count. Cena sells a bad knee from this. Uh, springboard cross and then punk tries to suplex cena back into the ring as he had rolled out to the apron to recover but instead cena suplexes punk to the ring mats on the floor and cm punk just smacks his back directly off of them ouch cena then no longer sells his leg as that might have actually been a legit injury for a second yeah and he snaps suplexes punk and hits an elbow drop for a two count he tries another aa but converts it to a power slam instead for a two cena squares up and throws some rights, but Punk fights back with kicks and strikes. We get an abdominal stretch to Punk from Cena. 
Then Punk rakes his eyes to get out. Cena goes for the five-knuckle shuffle, but Punk simply just kicks him in the head. That's all you need to do to block this move. He sends Cena out of the ring and dives through the ropes, sending Cena the guardrail. Cena regroups. They get back in the ring. Cena hits a five-knuckle shuffle into an AA. Punk tries to land on his feet, but uh uh-oh, he fucks up and he stumbles over, but recovers quickly and fights back with kicks. Punk looks for the GTS, but Cena converts it to a gut-wrench suplex for two. Punk knees Cena in the face twice, bulldogs him, springboard lariat, gets a two count. Cena locks in the STFU, but Punk gets to the ropes. Punk kicks Cena in the back of the head for a two. Punk hits a crossbody from the top. Cena rolls through it, lifts up Punk, looks for an AA, but it gets reversed into a GTS, which Cena blocks, and Punk gets caught in the STFU again. This time, Cena brings him into the center of the ring. Punk, though, counters it into an anaconda vice, and he wraps Cena's arm around his head. Cena gets out, hits an AA to Punk out of nowhere, but CM Punk kicks out at two. This was pretty impressive because this was still a protected finisher at the time. Yeah. Then he hits the AA again. Punk kicks out again at two. Cena tries his top turnbuckle leg drop, but CM Punk counters it into a weak power bomb for a two. Cena tries the leg drop again, gets it, gets two and a half, Tries a super AA, but Punk elbows out of it. Hits a Frankensteiner to Cena out of the turnbuckle. Lands a knee to Cena's face, a GTS to Cena's ribs that sends Cena out of the ring. Punk has to go out and get Cena so he doesn't get counted out. Meanwhile, Vince McMahon and Johnny Ace come out to watch this match. Cena slaps on the STFU, and Vince says, Go ring the damn bell! And Johnny Ace... Stumbles his way to the ring. Cena sees him coming. And of course, Cena is the good guy. Superman cannot take a win this way. Even though Punk was in the middle of the ring dead to rights. Like, just let him ring the bell. He couldn't get out. But anyway, Cena says, no. And he punches John Laurinaitis, knocks him down, and then goes to Vince and says, we can't do it that way. We have to do things the right way. Fuck the right way, John. Just take the win. So he walks back into the ring, dumbass, and gets hit with a GTS, and CM Punk wins the championship, and then Punk walks around the ring to celebrate as Vince looks on in disarray as Vince basically fucked himself out of the belt had he not sent John to ring the bell. John had it locked in. Yeah, CM Punk was going to tap. So Vince looks like he's about to cry. The place is going nuts. Oh, they're going batshit crazy. And Vince (laughs) storms over to to the announce table. Rips the headset off King and says, "Bring uh uh, give me Del Rio. <laughs> Cut the music. Cut the music. Give me Del Rio now. Del Rio, cash it in. Cash in. Cash in. <laughs> all in this panic mode. And, and all of a sudden, like Del Rio runs out to no music <laughs> with the briefcase in his hand. Gets kicked right gets in the ring. Yeah, looks like a fool as he walks right into a head kick. Punk just takes the belt." Gets on the guardrail, blows a kiss to Vince McMahon, and then just walks through the crowd with the title. And Vince looks like he's about to cry. Thankfully, the production crew knew not to play CM Punk's theme here because it would have been really weird. Like, yeah. that this was all supposed to be, you know, shoot off the, you know, not scripted. And then, oh, play his music on the way out. He's leaving with the belt. Play his music. Yeah. But they didn't. And CM Punk parties in the Chicago crowd with the belt. As you think, oh, this is it. This is the start of something big with CM Punk. It would not be. For the last few years, up until recently, this was the last Dave Meltzer five-star match in the WWE, up until a few NXT matches from recently. It was all because of the crowd and the atmosphere and the storyline. It was not because of the match, because 
CM Punk's really sloppy in this match, honestly. He botches a few things. Uh, It's kind of boring. Cena has to wrestle, like, not a heel in that he cheats, but a heel in that he has to slow it down, you know, abdominal stretch, you know, rest holds, chin locks, you know. He can't wrestle, like, exciting because he doesn't want to, you know, take any of the the heat away from from Punk. Punk stumbles out of the AA here. Punk messes up a powerbomb here. Just a little sloppy, but he was probably very nervous because this crowd had so much invested in him to have a good match. I'm sure he was nervous, honestly, because this was and still is CM Punk's biggest moment in the company. Uh, so, oh yeah, what did you think of the match, Patrick? I loved it. The atmosphere, the crowd, the storyline, the Vince getting involved, and we got the hints of the '97 screw job all over again. The thief got away with the gold. Yeah, yeah, which was brilliant, and that it literally just added more, to, more fuel to the fire of what already was an outstanding match and an outstanding setup, story mode wise. Oh, and the blow and the kiss to Vince at the oh, end. Oh, just I mean, to piss, just to rub it in his face and piss him off. It was great. I, yes, I loved it. And Jake, kudos, man. I cannot give it enough. Kudos to Jason Tick for bringing this one to us. I absolutely outstandingly enjoyed every second of this paper. There's only six matches on this card. Uh, so you think they're going to be long and boring. Like uh, last week's pay-per-view, Great American Bash didn't really have that many matches on it, but it felt so long. You know, it was a struggle to get through. Uh, this week, very easy to get through this. Uh, the matches that didn't matter, you know, Mark Henry and Big Show and the Divas match, that didn't take very long. Uh, the world title match was a waste of time. If that's how you're going to do it. It was a stupid stipulation. See, I enjoyed it. I loved it, man. I loved the fact that Christian was able to use the the whole stipulation. Because a lot of times... They don't pay off. They yeah. don't. A stipulation like that doesn't pay off. So I enjoyed the fact that it was it worked and it was, it was another big fuck you to the fans because we got... We used it to our advantage, you know? It was great. Yeah, so this is a really great show. Probably, it's the most modern pay-per-view I think we've watched on here. I mean, it's in HD, for crying out loud. Yeah. So, uh, it's probably one of the better, more recent pay-per-views in history. Uh, probably, I mean, from the last decade, it's probably in the top five, at least. So, on your rating scale, on our rating scale, of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, where does Money in the Bank 2011 fall? I'm going to give this one a big show. I'm going to go that high. I'm going to go Psycho Sid. Wow. So it's it's pretty it's pretty before high. he broke his legs. Yeah, before he broke his leg. It's big. It's it's up there. I have to just mention quickly the aftermath of this pay per view. So you think, oh, CM Punk, he's got the belt. He's gonna be off TV for a while. They're gonna really play this up. Uh, he came back in two weeks, Patrick. He wasn't he, he wasn't at Raw the next night. Right. So that was the only week that he didn't come to work. And he only held the belts until SummerSlam where Del Rio cashed in on him because they started a storyline with him and Nash that never paid off because Nash failed his physical, so they never had a match. Yeah. And uh, he ended up wrestling Hunter, I think. And uh, so, and also another thing that didn't pay off was Cena was supposed to get fired. Because I mean, Cena has been in so many firing angles. Yeah, uh, there was Survivor Series just a few years ago where, oh, if you lo- if your team loses, you're fired. Yeah, they never follow through. Well, they didn't hear either because uh, the next night on Raw, Vince came to the ring and he expected to fire John Cena, but instead Triple H came to the ring and Vince got fired in quotation marks. He didn't get fired either. Patrick turns <laughs> out he owns the company. And uh, then they had a uh, tournament to determine who can be in the title match for the. Uh, 
the interim title is yeah. what they had. Cena just ended up winning that. So then you had a champion v. champion match at SummerSlam. Which, which then was the Punk. Kevin Nash run in. Punk retained, well, unified the two belts. And uh, then, yeah, uh, got cashed in on by Del Rio. So we had that. Even though the pipe bomb is the most remembered thing from his promos, I was just watching the contract signing for SummerSlam. It's just as good. He was doing really great work at this time, and this made him a superstar. He's forever stuck in wrestling lore because of this time period. This wasn't even, you know, he had that long title run a a year or two later. That's also what's remembered, but this is like when he became on the level. This is when he became Macho Man to Cena's Hulk Hogan for a very short period of time. It's sad how it all turned out with him and the company and uh, a lot of these other guys on this card. I mean, every a lot of people in that SmackDown Money in the Bank match aren't with the company anymore. 14, 14 people on this paper. Wow. From only seven years ago. Two two retirees and 12 actual fires from this, from this paper. Yeah, that is uh, pretty crazy. And when you see like you know, how big a star Cody Rhodes is at this moment. Oh, God, yeah. You know, in 2018. Your future NWA champion. I'm calling <laughs> it right now, people. Yeah. All in, you got a title change, guaranteed. I'm calling it now. Yeah, a great show overall. One that is well-remembered, a main event that's well-remembered. So, Patrick, where are we going next week in our retro wrestling podcast history? A main event that's well-remembered that we just watched is the same way we're going to go to another one. Another one that... Match-wise, was one of the most brutal things you could ever watch. But, stipulation-wise and the way it played out and how everything else went around the title at this particular point in time, it was done so well. We're going to go back to the year of 1999. We're going to go back to the Royal Rumble. We're going to see Mick Foley defend his newly won WWF World Heavyweight Championship against The Rock in a legendary I Quit match. Oh, yes. A match that's remembered for much more different reasons than this one. Yeah. Uh, mainly because it was featured in Beyond the Mat and the uh, the chair shots. Is that from this one? Yeah, yes. the handcuffs and the chair shots. Yes. Which would then be revisited the next year uh, with Hunter uh, doing the same thing to or trying to nowhere near as bad as no. the first this one this one is brutal and uh you also you get a twist with the uh with the rumble match itself too so yeah the finish of that mankind and rock match is the only thing i do not like about it but well, there was no way out there yeah. exactly and that's they what themselves into a corner exactly that's what made it so well because it's just like you know what we just watched with jason's pick uh you know, Punk had to win. There was just no way out. There was they <laughs> they had built this up. Punk had to walk out, and people go, "Shit, we got no champion now." And so you're going to see this now, where you built this up, and you're like, "Crap, who's right?" You know? Foley got it on a fluke to begin with. I mean, yeah, right. So, so it's it's very. It just goes hand in hand with what we just watched. An outstanding pay per view with an outstanding match. Where at the end, you're like, holy crap, I was entertained, but what the fuck were they thinking? Yeah, so there you go. Uh, Royal Rumble 99, and that'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's clothesline. Bingo, bingo. Welcome to the official 
SummerSlam contract signing for the undisputed WWE Championship match. Ladies and gentlemen, one thing we do need to mention is that while the CEO of this company, Triple H, will be the special guest referee for the Puck Cena match Sunday at SummerSlam. And I think it's a good idea. The game will not be intimidated. He has been named the Cerebral Assassin for a very good reason. I think he's intelligent. I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah, but, yeah, just, yeah, but JR, you got to realize, not just CM Punk, but John Cena as well are both accusing Triple H of putting himself in the position of special referee merely out of ego. Well, they certainly have a right to their opinion. Well, listen, if there's any doubt that Triple H is an egomaniac, listen to this. Triple H said he needed a man of absolute power and authority, a man who cast a shadow over Cena and Punk in the entire WWE. He said, that man is me. That's what Triple H said his words earlier tonight. I don't see the issue. I just don't know if Triple H can keep his ego out of this match come Sunday. He claims he won't make a mistake. And what if he does? Triple H doesn't have a ton of experience as an official. This is one of the biggest matches in the history of WWE. How can he say he's not going to make a mistake? He's got confidence. He's done a big matches before. It is a huge environment for the COO. If I were Cena and Punk, I'd worry about the other, each other. Just worry about competing. Don't worry about the officiating. And after this Sunday, there will be only one. Yeah, don't adjust your set. You're not seeing double. It's the first time in history two current WWE champions, two reigning champs. All right, guys. We can uh, cut right to the chase here. You both right, had a chance don't we to review cut right this. To the chase. One, one second, Mr. COO. I think everybody here knows that this match is pretty much already official. I mean... John Cena versus CM Punk at SummerSlam. Everybody knows where we're going with this. So why are we out here? This is all just for show, right? We're supposed to be out here and be entertaining. I mean, when's the last time we had one of these contract signings that didn't end in some sort of horrible physical calamity? With So if you want to cut to the chase, you know, we can flip the table over and we can all start beating each other up or we can just at least make this entertaining. I feel, I feel like I'm a movie star and I'm on the set of, you know, maybe Conan O'Brien or something. I'm, a, I'm about to pitch a clip to my next big movie. And in that vein, I actually have a clip from a big time movie star that is going to explain in so many words how I feel about John Cena. And no, that, that movie star isn't you in The Chaperone. It's how, was, an, it's, how was your movie, by the way? Oh, I missed I, it. Mine, mine went straight to DVD, just like yours. <laughs> this is an actual movie star who is now going to explain how I feel mostly about you. So take it away, 
Dwayne. Here's why John Cena is angry. It's the same process every single night in every arena around the world. You're in your locker room, John. You're getting dressed. You're putting on your little tough guy sneakers. You're sliding on your jean shorts. Yeah, your tough guy jean shorts that nobody's worn since 1992, but that's okay. No, but that's okay. But then, then, uh-oh, uh-oh, oh. You're putting on your red wristbands, tough guy wristbands, and you put them up here. Oh, more strength and power you get. Yeah, like a superhero. And it says, it says, you can't shame me. Yeah, yeah you're looking like a, like a bloated transvestite Wonder Woman ready to fight crime. Pew, 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 pew. Then it gets even worse. Your music hits. Uh-oh, oh, you go running down, yeah, running down like a lost snagglepuss. You slide in the ring, you throw your hat, you take off your shirt, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're, you're full of energy and fire, and then, and then your music stops. Shh, shh, stop, shh, You hear something, John? that eats away at your very soul, eats away at your very core. You hear this in every arena around the world. It kills you because you know you're going to hear it for life. Let's go, Shina! Shina sucks! You know why you go to your own hometown in Boston and they boo you? You know why? The Rock will tell you why. Because The Rock is a man. And The Rock represents a majority of men around the world. We don't like you. We don't respect you. Why? Because we, us men, see through both. And we smell a phony punk a mile away. There's a, there's a lot wrong with that. I mean, obviously, I don't think they're saying Cena sucks. I think they're saying CM Punk. But you get the gist of it, right? And, and for everything that's right with that, thank you, Dwayne, for sending that from your Facebook, by the way. There, you're a phony, like he says, but the ironic thing is, while he's calling you a phony, he doesn't realize he's just as big a phony as you are. And maybe, maybe Dwayne's going to be upset now, but he seems to have a real problem with you. I don't, I don't want Dwayne to talk to me in a voice like this and say mean things about me, so maybe I'll just stop and I'll sign the contract. No, 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 no. See, this is what you were talking about, being entertaining. I, I like this stuff. Uh, you caught me off guard a little bit with the clip. But listen to this. You have these people going crazy, and that's what I love to see. You see... A guy like that, a guy like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I mean, this guy has done it all. Future WWE Hall of Famer, absolutely. Headlining WrestleMania, he's already on the bill. A bona fide Hollywood movie star. This guy is working on G.I. Joe right now as we speak. Congratulations, Dwayne. Here's the thing. With all the success he's had, there is no reason for a guy like that to be mad about anything. 
because I'm sure he's doing just fine. Yet he looks at me and he just flips out. He gets so angry. And why? Because you heard him. Because I, uh, because I wear red. I'm some sort of transvestite Wonder Woman fruity pebble. Because my, uh, my jorts are 20 years out of style. Because I tie my shoes wrong. Because of the way I wear my cap. Okay, okay. I, I, I didn't show the clip so you could go off on the rock. All no, right? no, 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 no. That's okay. Because you, you also have an issue with me. Now, you're not going to make fun of the way I dress. I believe you're above that. But your issues, your issues are those of the voiceless. You think maybe I'm a, a product of the system. Maybe that I'm, uh, even though I know kids are watching, maybe I'm a little too PG for you. Maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm just the modern-day Hulk Hogan. I just took the hand away from my ear, brother, and put it in front of my face. This is where I hit you with some truth. The Rock is a star, and he has his millions. And I could try my hardest to talk trash with The Rock, to battle back and forth with The Rock. I will never win over the millions. And you, of course, you have your fans. And I know no matter what I do, I could, I could increase my work rate I could add to the five moves of doom, or maybe let my heel persona shine through. I will never win over those people. You made an amazing comparison to me a few weeks back. You said I was the New York Yankees. I originally was offended by that, but the Yankees are the most loved and hated team in all of professional sport. Listen, I can just bring up the name, and it gets a response. And you, in that comparison, were absolutely right. Listen, there are so, so many people that hate me. Just like The Rock said, when my music plays and I run down that ramp, it's like those Hall of Fame championship riddled pinstripes taking the field. People just see it and they ooze hate. Those are not the people I'm concerned with. I'm concerned with those who wear their colors proud. I'm concerned. I am concerned with the people who have been loyal and devoted to me and know no matter what, I will not give up on them through thick or thin, good, bad, or indifferent. Those are the people I care about. And sir, there is nothing phony about that. You speak your mind and you throw a lot of stones and you live in a glass house. Because you, you a few weeks ago wanted your own private jet. You want to be on the front of magazines. You wanted your own movies. Your face on ice cream ice bars. bars. Yes, indeed. I'd even have a CM Punk ice cream bar. But now you're trying to come back as some underground voice of the voiceless? You want phony punk? Look in the mirror, kid. Now, not to throw gas on the fire at all, but he does have a good point there. I mean, let's face it, for all your holier-than-thou stuff, really, 
All you are at the end of the day is a guy that held out for more money and a couple of perks, right? And then you didn't even have the guts to stand face to face like a man and negotiate for him. You ran away and called on the phone. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I'm gutless? I'm, I'm a phony? I'm gutless? Let's analyze that. Who fires people around here? You or Funk Man over here, huh? Who? Let, let me ask you a question, Johnny. Funk Man. Did you personally, face-to-face, fire Vladimir Kozlov on Friday, huh? Did you, did you fly yourself to Florida to tell Harry Smith, yes, his name is Harry, not David Hart Smith, that he was no longer needed here? Huh? Did you tell Chris Masters, somebody who over the past year has worked his ass off to get better, did you fire him face to face or did you call him up and say, hey kid, it's a budget thing, best of luck in your future endeavors. Don't call me gutless. You have him do your dirty work. This isn't, this isn't about him, this isn't about you. John Boy, this is about you and this is about me. And this is about the WWE Championship. And it's easy for you to sit there and act all noble and holier than thou when you've been afforded opportunity after opportunity. See, you're placed on a pedestal, so your perspective is skewed. You look down on everybody else. You look down on me. And I'll give you an example. Some odd years ago, I won my first championship here in the WWE. I won the ECW title. The next day, you, who didn't bother saying two words to me before that, pat me on the back and you said, good match, congratulations, champ. I almost gave up on you. I hold grudges. Ever since then, I've had a sour taste in my mouth because who the hell do you think you are? You gave up on me? Huh? You know who gave up Mr. Hustle, Loyalty, and Respect? You know who gave up on their dream? You did. When you moved to California to become a bodybuilder and you became a sports entertainer because you couldn't hack it. All right? I started as a professional wrestler and I fought to get to where I'm at right now. And yeah, I held up the WWE for some perks. Do I want an ice cream bar with my name on it? You're damn right. You see, you're the lion. I'm the hyena. I got to fight for my share. So yeah, I held everybody up to get the opportunities that you've just been handed. The opportunities that you've just been given. That yeah, you can take. I mean, who would turn them down? Certainly I wouldn't. Here's the thing, John Boy. Seven years ago in Los Angeles, you walked in and you won your first WWE title. Congratulations. This Sunday, you're walking back into Los Angeles and I want to let you know something. You're walking out with nothing. 
You are walking out with nothing. Oh, sure, you'll, you'll be a big star the next day. You'll, you'll be in the, in the Marine Four, or maybe you'll have your big fight with Dwayne, which is great, and you'll still have your legions of fans who are going to pee in their pajamas every time they think about you. You know you're not going to have, John Boy, you're not going to have the WWE Championship. You will not be WWE Champion, because the WWE Champion will be me. Fine speech. Do you realize how much pressure is on you this Sunday? No, 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 no. Did you have no idea? Congratulations, Punk. You won one match in Chicago at Money in the Bank. You did a hell of a job. You beat me straight out. You have every right to be called the WWE Champion. You ever thought about what happens if you just might lose at SummerSlam? Your little diatribe about me going on and, and facing Dwayne The Rock Johnson at WrestleMania is exactly correct. Win, lose, or draw, I'm headed to WrestleMania to face The Rock. You, you need this match. You need this more than anything in your life because you now have people watching you you have explained that that is a pipe bomb and you speak your mind and I commend you for that but if you don't back it up when the bell rings especially this Sunday you know what you are? you're a loudmouth one-hit wonder you 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 will be known as Buster Douglas Yahoo Sirius Millie, what's the other guy? Vanilli. If you don't produce on Sunday with everything on the line, for you, all of this, gone. Just like that. Good luck. Good luck, John. Lux for losers, and I would much rather be a one-hit wonder than a phony. We've been talking for quite a while now, and you came out here to entertain these people, right? I just got a feeling this talking thing is wearing a bit thin. Well, hey, you know, talking's sort of what I do, but I can also kick your teeth down your throat. <laughs>